You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. How are you today? Good, wonderful. For those of you who may not know me, just allow me to take a moment and introduce myself. My name is Dave Longstreth. And I'm the outreach pastor here at Riverside. We are so happy, so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, I also want to invite all of us uh, to take out our phones and get that Riverside app. If you don't have the Riverside app yet, please go out to the app store, download that, look for Riverside Community Church, find our logo there, because this app is extremely helpful to connect you to our church community. So much good stuff that we load into this app and helpful resources for you. Uh, You can check out our podcast. You can check out different videos that we play, announcements and news that's upcoming. Uh, You can give uh, through the app and everything else like that. But also today's notes are in that app. So you can just get get in there and click on the Today tab. And you're here at Oakmont, so you would just click right on Oakmont and you can follow along with the message uh, this morning. You can also look in your Bibles because we're going over a lot of scriptures today. Those will be in, obviously, in your Bibles, and I'll have them up on the screen here for you so that you can reference them. So whatever's, whatever works for you, that would be great. But we are continuing our annual theme this year. Do you know what that is? What's our annual theme? It's those little diamonds up there, okay? What, what does it represent? All in. Yes, I heard somebody say it. Good. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Each week during this yearly theme, we have been challenged to go all in for God because God has gone all in for us, right? Now this week, we're beginning a brand new message series. It's going to take us through Easter, and that series is titled Spotlight. You saw the the video up there and the graphic up on the screen, but it's Spotlight All for Glory. And on social media, we're using the hashtag SpotlightRCC. Now, I've been told that hashtags are on their way out, but I still like hashtags. Any other hashtag fans here? Anybody? Two, which is exactly how many there was last service. You know, I thought I was going to get four this service. All right, maybe we'll just stop using hashtags. I don't know. But anyways, if you use them, hashtag is SpotlightRCC on social media. So John chapter 17, verse 4, this is Jesus speaking And it's the theme verse for this brand new series, and it says this, Jesus speaking, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing all the work you gave me to do. He's talking to the Father, uh, to our God. So before we dive into the scriptures, I want to connect this big idea of our talk this morning with something that my family is certainly familiar with, and I'm sure that many of your families are also familiar with, uh, and that is this idea of moving, Okay, now I don't mean moving as in walking or exercising or dancing, and I will not do any kind of moves because last service I did, but my family's sitting right there, and I don't want to embarrass them by dancing in front of you. So, um, right? Yeah, okay, exactly. But I'm not talking about that kind of moving. I'm talking about moving from where you live, one place to another. And so when I was growing up, I was raised in this house, and my mom still lives in that house, so I never moved as a kid. Does anybody have that same kind of thing that happened in your life? The house you grew up, it was the same house that uh, whenever you ended up leaving the nest, that house was, was still that. So not the case for my kids. 
Um, but in our family, our story kind of moved like this, and I won't bore you with all the details, I'll kind of just highlight it. I moved out of my parents' house when I graduated high school. I was in business school, local business school, and I rented an apartment. I rented it from my parents. I don't know if that counts or not, but um, to me it counts because I had to pay rent and utilities. So whatever. It was my big step towards freedom and independence, I guess. But then I went off to college in Philly um, and got married to Carrie, my wife here, and we had another year of school after we got married, so we rented an apartment at the school. So that was like our first house together, our first home together as a married couple. Um, and then we moved out to Pittsburgh. So for those of you who were around back in 2001 when we started coming to Riverside Church and uh, came on staff here, Carrie and I commuted from Philly to Pittsburgh like twice a month. And then during the summer, we lived with the Marsh family, Donnie and Shelley Marsh and their family. So I don't know if you call that a house or whatever if we moved, but we moved like five belongings that we had together into their house and lived with them for the summer. And then we went back out and we lived in our apartment at school, graduated, came here, rented an apartment from the Trubies, just two houses down for the first year that we were out here, which was great. That was awesome. And then we bought a house in Penn Hills in 2002 at the end of that year. And our kids were born and raised in that house, and we stayed there until 2010. We moved to Oakmont, rented in the Commons, just this little place. It was a townhouse, and uh, we were right in the middle of two other townhouses, and I didn't want to hear everybody yelling at my kids. That's a joke. Okay. <laughs> so we ended up moving the next year into a duplex. Uh, we lived there for a couple years, and we bought a house in Oakmont, um, and we lived there for a few years, and then, believe it or not, a couple years later, we decided, well, let's just sell that house and buy another house in Oakmont. So we did that, and we bought it off a wonderful family who was actually here for service. We bought it off the Crumb family, and then that was it. And that is it, okay? <laughs> I am not moving again until my kids send Carrie and I to the Caribbean for our retirement. <laughs> okay, and everyone said, amen, <laughs> yes. Um, I say all that to say this. With each new move that we were a part of, it was full of curiosity and full of wonder. It was full of stress and anxiety and all these emotions that come along with the idea of moving and picking up your life and moving it and placing yourself in a new neighborhood. How many of you connect with these stories of moving? You've moved before. You understand the realities of what it means to actually go through a move uh, together. Or maybe, uh, maybe somebody is moving in next to you or into your neighborhood. You know, we can kind of connect all these, but you know, what will the new place be like, you wonder? And what's this neighborhood going to be like that we're moving our family into? What about the people next door? You know, what are they going to be like? You know, like I said, these moves sure had their share of apprehension. You know, what, what, will the kids be safe in our new home? What about having pets if you're going to a new apartment? And you have your beloved cat or dog. Is that pet allowed to go with you? And what does that mean? Uh, are the neighbors slobs, right? How many of you ever thought that? Are the neighbors going to be slobs? Just me, okay. Is it a noisy street? You know, am I going to get woken up at two in the morning because everybody's coming home and being loud and obnoxious? Will our cars get broken into in this new neighborhood? Will there be theft in the neighborhood? Will the homes around us add value to us or detract value to our home? Will we, will we add value to our neighborhood? So just all kinds of questions that uh, you might feel or think of whenever you're going through a move. 
What about when you moved? There's a little, Brennan, there's a little bit of a ring, thanks. Did you feel any wonder about the same things? Would you be welcomed? Would you be wanted? Would you be well-received? How about whenever new neighbors move in into your neighborhood? Now, sometimes it's just as interesting as uh, sitting there and allowing new, neighborhood, new neighbors to come in than it is just to actually go through and move on yourself. It's way less expensive, way less stressful. Uh, but what will your new, new neighbor be like? Will they be the kind of people that you can sit on the porch with and enjoy each other's company? Will they be the kind of people that will finally allow you to put up that privacy fence that you've been waiting so long, but now you just need to because these new neighbors came in and you need that privacy fence? Or will they be the new neighbors that the town talks about in a good way and not a good way? You know, so all these kind of questions. But the connection is this. Jesus moved into our world, and he experienced even sadder experiences, but he was the best neighbor ever, right? Here's a deep question. I'm just going to throw it off the cuff here today, and I, I don't want to really camp out on this, but just, just a question. Uh, what if Jesus moved in next door to you? You know, what kind of neighbor would he be? What kind of neighbor would you be to Jesus? I'd probably mow my lawn more, right? Um, but the question that I want to start off this morning is this. When glory moves in, what do we hear? When glory moves in, what do we hear? And what should we be listening for? Now, I know that is a weird question, so I want to kind of explain that. When glory moves in next door, what do we hear? What are we listening for? I'll give you a little preview. We should be listening for the words that spotlight Jesus. That's what we're going to be talking about in this message series. Now, how do those words inform what we then see? Okay, we're listening for these words. How do they inform what we're going to see? And like I said, it's a strange question to phrase it as when glory moves in. What do I mean by glory? Okay, what is glory? Glory is weighty. Glory is wealthy. It's powerful. It's important. It's honorable. It's prestigious. It's of good reputation, right? Glory is to endow with visible splendor. So that's what I mean by when glory moves in. So here's the spiritual context to the phrase, when glory moves in. We find it in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. It's John's prologue. It's the culmination and the next step in the revelation of the creator God to his creation. Jesus is the glory. Okay, so when I say when the glory moves in, I'm talking about Jesus being the glory that moves in. So Jesus is the glory of God in human flesh. Now, up until this point in the Bible, the Old Testament, there's only been veiled encounters uh, with the glory of God. As the people of the Old Testament experienced, uh, you think about Moses on Mount Sinai, you think about the tabernacle or the temple, you think about Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and eventually to Ezekiel, seeing the glory of God departing when everything was destroyed. So here in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, there's a lot there that I want to unpack today. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's begin with the Word became flesh. So the Word became flesh. The word flesh means human. It means flesh and blood. Not a phantom, not a spirit, anything like that. The Word became a human being. You know, like a human who sometimes gets hungry. A human who is sometimes tired or thirsty. A human being who got weary and got frustrated at times. Who experienced pain and sadness. So we're obviously talking about the word becoming the person of Jesus. 
Let's continue on. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. His dwelling among us. So Jesus made his dwelling or he made his home, his temporary abode among us. He moved into our world. He moved into our neighborhood. We continue on. We have seen his glory. We have seen, in other words, we beheld. We we saw his glory, which was an appearance or a spectacle. In other words... The life of Jesus was something that caught our attention, right? I mean, think about it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered this earth. We're still talking about him 2,000 years later, right? Jesus entered the world, and he caught our attention. That's what the kind of glory that we beheld. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace, which is unfailing or steadfast love, and full of truth or having lived faithfully. So much as our words reveal to others our hearts and our minds, so Jesus is our Father's word to reveal his heart and mind to us. Does that make sense? i read that again. Much as our words reveal to others our hearts and our minds, Jesus is our Father's word to reveal uh, his heart and his mind to us. But after this initial usage in the beginning of John, Jesus is never referred to again as the word because the word is audible. Because Jesus has come, he has entered our world, and he has now been made visible, right? In human form. So a person's identity is made when a person's face is visible. Here's what Jesus said about God's identity in his own. John chapter 14, verse 9, he says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So a name is composed of letters, obviously, and the name of Jesus is composed of the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. Did you know that? Which I think is fascinating, especially when you consider his words in Revelation 1, chapter 8, where he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Okay, that's the first and the last letter. That's the first and the last. He is the last word to humanity. He is the climax of God's divine revelation. So I want to to share some thoughts today on that question of what does it look like when glory moves in? What is it that that we should be listening for? The first thing that we should be listening for is listening for eternal words. We should be listening for eternal words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's John 1, 1 and 2. He existed in the beginning, not because he had a beginning as a creature, but because he is eternal. God is eternal. Jesus is eternal. He is God. He was with God. He always has been. It's that whole Trinity thing that we talk about, right? John 8, 58, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am, right? So this is Jesus talking to people. He's there in the flesh as a person. I mean, he, and he says to them, before Abraham was born, I am. He connects himself to the Trinity. He's part of that. He is eternal. How does the presence of God through the form of his son Jesus actually play out, though? So let's take a look in the Gospels. And uh, I remember that story of Martha when she lost her brother Lazarus. Do you remember that story? And I'm going to be sharing a lot from... These stories, I'm not going to go in and read the scriptures or anything, but I encourage you, if you haven't, or if you're kind of a little foggy on that, please read, read the New Testament. It is, it is the words of life. So if you get a chance, please just dive into that. But so I think about this story of Martha and when she lost her brother Lazarus, who was by a friend, uh, by the way, a friend of Jesus. But Jesus, you know, said some things to her, but basically he said this, I will be present 
no matter what, I'll be there. So when glory moves in, we should be listening for words that have eternal significance. And they play out in the action of glory being present in our lives or reaching us where we live. Jesus said in John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will uh, never die. Do you believe this? He says. So when glory moves in, we should be listening, first of all, for words of eternal significance. And how does that play out? It plays out by that glory of God being present in our lives and reaching us right where we are. The next thought is to listen for creative words. Listen for creative words. And what I mean by this, when I say creative words, I don't mean you know, getting out your thesaurus and sitting around and trying to find the fanciest words so you can confuse people like me because I'm from central PA and I have a limited vocabulary, okay? That's not what I'm talking about when I say creative words. What I'm talking about is words of creation, words of creating, the creation that God made, that type of creative word. Get it? So John 1.3 says, through him all things were what? Made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, right? We're talking about that kind of creative word. And in that scripture, it's the perfect tense. All things were made. This represented a completed act. It was already finished. All things were made. Now, there's a parallel here between John 1.1 and Genesis 1.1. And the parallel is this. Yes, in the New Testament, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Obviously, if, I hope you know this, but the beginning of the Old Testament, Genesis is the first book, and Genesis 1.1 is the beginning of the Bible, right? And then we have the New Testament. New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? We're on John. It's the fourth gospel. But any one of those gospels is basically the start of the New Testament because all four of those gospels are synonymous in the fact that they talk about the narrative of the life of Jesus. So John 1.1 is the beginning of the New Testament, even though Matthew 1.1, Luke 1.1, Mark, Luke 1.1, they're all the beginning of the New Testament. Get me? Okay. So John 1.1, it connects to the beginning of... When God said, okay, in Genesis 1.1, God said, let there be, right? Let there be light, and he created. It's the whole creation story. John 1.1, it connects that. In the beginning, God said... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. You know that whole verse that I read. And we see this also kind of backed up in Psalm 33, 9, where it says, For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. God created all things through Jesus, which means that Jesus is not a created being, but rather Jesus is God in the flesh. So I kind of repeat that throughout the day today, but I want us to walk away knowing that. Colossians 1, 16 says, For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. How does Jesus share in the creator God? And how does that play out through the scriptures? So again, we'll kind of look at some of the stories of the life of Jesus. We take this one story, for example, where the disciples were sitting or they were in a boat, they were sailing on a big lake, and Jesus was sleeping, and this big storm came along, and the disciples freaked out, 
And they woke Jesus up and they said, don't you care? It's stormy and we're scared and help us. And you're sitting here sleeping. And uh, Jesus pretty much said, listen, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of you no matter what. Here's here's the story in Mark 4. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. When I read that, I was surprised that they had cushions back then. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, it was completely calm. They were terrified. They asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So when asked if he even cared, Jesus demonstrated and he used his words to show them how much he really does care. That's just one story out of so many stories. Like I said, read the New Testament, jump into that stuff. You'll see story after story that backs these words up. When glory moves in, we should be listening for the words of creation that play out in the action of glory caring about the big things and the little things of our world. No matter how big, no matter how small, the glory of God in our lives, he cares about all of them. And that's good to know. That's good to know because sometimes the storm, it's impassable, it's unbearable, and you might feel that happening in your life. And you might think Jesus is asleep on a cushion, okay? And you say, Jesus, don't you care that my world is falling apart? And he says... I will always take care of you. I'll take care of you no matter what. Or maybe in that instance, you know, they freaked out about a storm that really wasn't so bad. They would have made it through. And Jesus is like, you woke me up, but listen, I care. I care about you. I'll take care of it. So no matter how big, no matter how small, he's there, he's gonna take care of it. The next thought is, what should we listen for? We should listen for graceful words. I think this one's our favorite. It's my favorite anyways. I love grace. Out of his fullness, we have received all grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, John's full of grace and truth terminology here in verse 14 is precise Greek equivalent of this phrase that's found in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 34, verse six. It says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious is slow to anger anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So grace, how do we see the grace of Jesus playing out through the scriptures? And how does that connect to us? Well, let's take uh, two other stories that happen through the life of Jesus. Let's take the story of the woman that was caught in adultery and the story of the criminal on the cross. Okay, do you remember those stories? What happened in those stories? Jesus, through his actions, he showed them that the grace he offers for those who could not find grace in the world that they were in, they couldn't find grace around them, he offered them grace. And he said, I'll love you no matter what. I'll love you no matter what. To the woman who was caught in adultery, if you remember that story, The religious people were standing around and they all had a big rock in their hand. They were ready to put her to death as the law was. And Jesus came in and he stepped in and he said, okay, whoever is standing here with a stone in your hand that has not sinned, go ahead and throw that stone. You throw the first stone. And what did they do? One by one, they all dropped their stones because 
Obviously, nobody with a stone in their hand had been sinless. Jesus was. And then whenever they all left, he turned to the woman and he said, you know, where are your accusers? And she explained, well, they're gone. And Jesus says in John 8, 11, he says, well, then neither do I condemn you. So that's grace, right? That's incredible grace. Think about the criminal on the cross, the day of the crucifixion. There were two criminals that were being crucified with Jesus. One was poking fun and making fun of him. The other stood up for Jesus. The other criminal said, I'm wor- we deserve this. We are unworthy. We deserve the punishment that we get. But this man is innocent. He does not deserve it. And Jesus said to him in Luke 23, 43, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's grace, right? So when glory moves in, we should be listening for graceful words that play out in the action of glory reaching us no matter what the world thinks, no matter what mess we've ended up in the middle of, that these words of grace will love us, that we will hear that we are loved no matter what. And finally, as we're listening for words of glory, we should listen for truthful words. Now, I said I love listening. I love the grace part, right? But it's grace and what? It's grace and truth. Graceful words make us feel special for sure. Graceful words are easy to listen to. But we should also listen for truth, truthful words. And sometimes truthful words are tough to listen to, right? Sometimes they're easy. Sometimes they're confirming. But sometimes it's tough to listen to the truth. John 1.14 says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So let's go back to the story of the woman caught in adultery. And let's also then look at the story of the rich young ruler. So in these stories, does Jesus just say, hey, you're cool, don't change, keep on keeping on, I saved you, you know, all's good. No, he doesn't do that. Jesus says, I'm going to be honest no matter what. I'm going to be honest no matter what. Jesus told the woman who was caught in adultery, go now and leave your life of sin. He told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and give it all to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So these are words of truth, a little bit tougher, but it went along with the grace. So when glory comes in, when glory moves in, we should be listening for truthful words that play out in the action of glory being honest with us no matter what. Now here's the connection that I want to make personally. And for those of you who have heard me speak over the years, you've more than likely heard at least bits and pieces of my testimony, right? For those of you who are new, this might be a little bit new to you, and I'm not going to deliver the whole thing. Um, But I am going to say this. I remember when when glory came in in the way of grace and of truth. I remember that grace. I remember in 1997, I was driving around at one o'clock in the morning and I was so self-consumed in my life, but I was seeking, I was seeking because I was not satisfied with the life that I was living, the path that I was walking. I just, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what I was seeking. I, 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 I kind of played a church game 
as a teenager, you know, I went, went through the motions, but it didn't really, I wasn't living that out. And I remember that night. I remember that night and literally, if you've heard me say this before, I'm not just crafting it to go along with the whole glory theme. I really felt like the glory of God came into my car, came into my life, came into my heart and spoke to me and physically caused a reaction of just tears flooding my face. I remember that night because I felt horrible. I felt guilty. I felt lost. I felt like I was wandering around in the darkness and um, like my life was a mess. And I felt like God was saying, I love you. I want you to, to love me back. I want you to serve me. I want you to serve others. I have a great plan for your life. And that just washed over me. That was a night where I felt grace like I've never felt grace before. And I felt grace since then many times. The, you feel grace when you are completely un, unworthy and you realize it like the criminal hanging on the cross that says, I deserve this mess that I've gotten myself into. But you know, when you're released of that, when you feel loved through that, that's grace. With all caps, underline, and boldface type. And I felt that. But I didn't, it didn't stop there. Because with grace comes truth. Now maybe not that night did I like start seeing how truth played out, but in the, literally in the days that followed, in the weeks, in the months, in the years, even today, I still hear words of truth playing out in my life. I hear grace, I hear truth, where God says, listen, this is the path that you're on. This is the path, it's, here's what's gonna lead to, you gotta get yourself off that path and get on this path. I have a better path, I have a better plan for your life, a life that will lead to fullness, for everything that I created you to be, for everything that I created this world to be, this is the path. These are the words of truth. Grace rescues you from that path that leads to your destruction and that places you on this path that leads to life. And the truth keeps you focused on making sure that you're taking steps on that path. And that's how it played out in my life. How has it played out in your life? Just take a moment and think about that. Do you remember when you've heard grace in your world, in your life? Can you remember a time or times, because I hope, hopefully it's been more than once. Do you remember times where you just have, you heard loud and clear the grace of the glory of God? And do you remember times where you've heard truth, where you said, okay, it's clear. I gotta, I gotta, I can't keep on keeping on. This isn't working. God is clearly encouraging me and telling me and instructing me to turn things around and, and move this direction. We need both. As the worship team's coming today, I want to invite them back up. As they're coming, I want to ask you this question. How will you listen for glory? How will you listen for glory? How will you live for glory? And how will you put the spotlight on Jesus? We listen for glory by listening for words that are what? And if you can repeat these back to me, which I'm not asking you to, but I would be super impressed. But there were four things I talked about. We, we listen for glory by listening for words that are eternal, right? Words that are creative, words that are graceful, and words that are truthful. These words remind us that Jesus has moved into our lives 
and that he is still bringing glory because that glory reaches us where we live, where we're at. That glory is present. That glory will always care for us, no matter what. That glory will always love us, no matter what. That glory will always be honest with us because that's what the glory of God does. Jesus' life put the spotlight on God's glory. That's why he came, to give the glory to the Father, his Father. And that's available to all of us. As others around you are looking and listening for glory in this world, right? People want to see people lifted up on a pedestal. They want to see what glory looks like. But we also have a sickness where we want to see that fall. It's twisted, it's messed up world that we live in, but I think all of us have, you know, I, I, just, I forget who said this, but a God-shaped hole in our hearts and our souls. All of us were created for that glory not to be on ourselves, but to be on God. You know, when we break it down, the whole creation story and this whole life as we know it and have been taught, God was perfect, right? He's always, always has been, always will be. His glory was glorious. And he decided out of that perfection that he would create a world and a universe, that he would create the birds of the air and the animals and the fish of the sea, and that he would create beautiful mountains and landscapes and oceans and just amazing creation. And then to enjoy all of that, he would create us, human beings. And then we screwed it up. We screwed it up, clear at the beginning, because we wanted to be like God. We wanted to equate ourselves with God. So we took the fruit from that tree, and we ate that because we wanted to be like God. And that's been our problem ever since, because as human beings, we're selfish people. We're self-centered. Maybe not all the time, but at the root of all of our sin, of all of our failures, of all of our shortcomings, it really is rooted in just being self-centered right? So we as human, human beings, we screwed it up. But God, being so amazing, so perfect, so holy, so full of glory, he knew that was going to happen from the beginning of time, and he created it all anyways, knowing that we would screw it up. But he made a way by him, his glory, becoming a human being and and being crucified and being put to death and, and sacrificing himself, God sacrificing himself for the creation that he created so that we could be in right relationship with him again. And that's the Easter story and that's the story of our lives. And it never ceases to amaze me. It never ceases to, to touch my heart. And we talk about Jesus in this season, right? We talk about Jesus all year long, but we talk about Jesus in this season of Lent leading up to Easter. And we remember on Good Friday that he, he hung on that cross, that he was beaten, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was tortured, he was, he sacrificed himself willingly. He could have stopped it at any second, but he went through with it because that was the plan because he loved us so much. That is grace. And he offered us a way to live and he said, come follow me and I will teach you. Come, obey me, follow me. And that is the truth that he speaks into our lives. When my kids were young, 
We illustrated this to them in a way that we said, when you invite Jesus into your life, he comes into your heart and he makes a home there. And he does. I'm 42 years old and that simple childlike idea of this glorious God making his home in my heart still reaches me. When others around us are looking for what it is to put on that pedestal, how will you put the spotlight on God rather than on yourself? Before we pray, let me challenge you one more thing to process this over this next season because this is what this message series is all about, Spotlight. Process this over the next few weeks leading into Easter and this season of Lent. Who will you process this with? Will it be your small group? Will it be some friends? If you're a student, will it be a leader at Nexus? If you're a young adult, will it be a leader at the table? Will it be a spiritual or a life coach? If you receive counsel from somebody, would this be something that you process with your counselor or maybe a spouse you process this with or a friend? But ask yourself, where is it that you have work to do? And ask yourself, who is it around you that hopes that you're going to get to work soon? God wants us to get to work on that. Let's pray. God, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for speaking us, speaking to us today through your word, for speaking to us through your life, through your death, through your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, for moving into our world, into our neighborhood. We needed to hear these eternal and creative and grace-filled, truth-filled words today, and we're grateful that you're an ever-present help in times of trouble. Thank you for your concern for us, both in the little things and the big things that we face in this life. Thank you for unconditionally loving us and acting on that love by giving your life in exchange for ours. And even though it's hard to hear those honest words at times, we are grateful that your love compels us, that your love compels you to be forthright with us and to call us out in our sin and our rebellion Holy Spirit, you are so patient. You are so kind and generous in the way that you both convict and comfort us all at the same time. I pray that you would grant us ears that would hear the words that bring you glory, that bring your glory all around us every day. Help us to live our lives in such a way that we put the spotlight on you rather than ourselves. And it's in the name of the glorious one that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.